Hello, I'm Mary, and you're listening to First Pages Readings. In this podcast, I explore reading and celebrate books as cultural messengers. Each episode, I'll read from three books of either fiction, nonfiction, young adult, middle grade, or poetry. Hello and welcome to First Pages Readings, Episode 38. And thanks for joining me. Today I'll be reading from three young adult books. So let's get started. Today's first book is We Are Witnesses, Five Diaries of Teenagers Who Died in the Holocaust by Jacob Boas. The book contains excerpts from the diaries of teenagers who died in the Holocaust and also commentary by the book's author, who is a Holocaust survivor. Due to its subject matter, the book is difficult to read, but it also speaks to the resilience of the human spirit in the face of unthinkable tragedy and persecution. I learned a lot while reading this book, and while its audience crosses all age ranges, the book's subjects are teenagers, so it is included in a young adult episode. A special thanks to my sister-in-law, Nancy, who gifted the book to me. The first page of We Are Witnesses. David Rubinowitz. The end of the world will soon be here. The Nazis considered Poles subhuman, and after crushing the country like a soft-boiled egg in the fall of 1939, treated them with contempt. Young Poles, if allowed to live at all, were to be raised as beasts of burden, with just enough education as would demonstrate to them the hopelessness of their national destiny. Beneath them were the Jews. They must go. They had to be finished off, proclaimed Governor General Hans Frank, the new power in Poland. The killers were not to pass over any place, however small, or any person, however young. And so they swept into Krejno, a small village a hundred miles south of Warsaw, and laid their hands on David Rabinowitz. Today there are few reminders of David, who was 15 when he disappeared into the gas chambers. No school bears his name, no tablet or plaque of any description marks his brief time on earth. No grave. The house he lived in no longer stands. All that remains is the diary he kept for two years. That and a photograph. The photograph was taken during a school outing. The year was 1937, and David was in the fourth grade. Today's next book is A Different Mirror for Young People, A History of Multicultural America by Ronald Takaki. This book widens the lens on North American history. It captures the country's complex and diverse history by telling stories about indigenous peoples, enslaved peoples, and immigrants from many continents. The author writes in the book's introduction, We must remember the histories of every group, for together they tell the story of a nation peopled by the world. As a result, the book's scope broadens our understanding of the history of North America. Here's the first page of the introduction of A Different Mirror for Young People, A History of Multicultural America. My Story, Our Story I was going to be a surfer, not a scholar. I was born and grew up in Hawaii. 
the son of a Japanese immigrant father and a Japanese American mother who had been born on a sugarcane plantation. We lived in a working class neighborhood where my playmates were Japanese, Chinese, Portuguese, Korean, and Hawaiian. We did not use the word multicultural, but that's what we were a community of people from many cultural, national, and racial backgrounds. My father died when I was five, and my mother remarried a Chinese cook. She had gone to school only through the eighth grade, and my stepfather had very little education, but they were determined to give me a chance to go to college. My passion as a teenager, though, was surfing. My nickname was Ten Toes Takaki, and when I sat on my board and gazed at rainbows, over the mountains and the spectacular sunsets over the Pacific, I wanted to be a surfer forever. Then, during my senior year in high school, a teacher inspired me to think about the problems of the world and of being human and to ask, how do you know what you know? In other words, how do you know if something is true? Today's third book is The Romanov Sisters by Helen Rappaport. Using sources like diaries and letters, the author captures the lives of the daughters of Tsar Nicholas II and his wife Alexandra. Many books have been written about this imperial Russian family, about Tsar Nicholas, who abdicated in 1917 as a result of the revolution, but this book focuses on the lives of the Romanov daughters, and with a narrative that reads like robust storytelling, this is a fascinating account of the daughters' short lives. The first page of the Romanov sisters. Mother Love There once were four sisters, Victoria, Ella, Irene, and Alex, who lived in an obscure grand duchy in southwestern Germany. A place of winding cobbled streets and dark forests made legendary in the fairy tales of the Brothers Grimm. In their day, these four princesses of the House of Hesse and by Rhine, were considered by many to be the flowers of Queen Victoria's flock of granddaughters, celebrated for their beauty, intelligence, and charm. As they grew up, they became the object of intense scrutiny on that most fraught of international stages, the royal marriage market of Europe. Despite their lack of large dowries or vast territories, each sister in turn married well, but it was to the youngest and most beautiful of the four that fate dealt the biggest hand. The four Hess sisters were daughters of Princess Alice, second daughter of Queen Victoria, and her husband, Prince Louis, heir to the Grand Duke of Hess. In July 1862, aged only 18, Alice had left England heavily veiled and in mourning for her recently deceased father, Prince Albert after marrying Louis at Osborne House. By the dynastic standards of the day, it was a modest match for a daughter of Queen Victoria, but one that added another strand to the complex web of royal intermarriage between European first and second cousins. During her long reign, Victoria had orchestrated the marriages of all her nine children, and remained meddlesome enough into old age to ensure that, After them, their children and even their grandchildren secured partners befitting their royal status. Princess Alice might well have achieved something better 
had she not fallen in love with the rather dull Prince Louis. If you liked listening to this episode, please leave a review and tell me what you think.